0: Good morning. It's a joy, joy, joy to be with you this morning. Um, I am so glad to uh, be with those of you in the room, and those of you online, and those of you at Grundy. I'm just those of you who will watch uh, weeks from now on the teaching. It's just a joy that you are taking time to focus your life on this morning to learn and grow uh, closer and in your understanding of Christ and what He means in a life. This series is putting a spotlight. Uh, called Extraordinary. This series is putting a spotlight on ordinary people who serve to God in extraordinary ways in the Bible. And uh, ordinary people like you and me serving God in special ways. We can be one of those people. My focus today is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And you go, well, we know all about Mary. Well, I think there's some things you might not have thought about with uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, I chose her on purpose because... Uh, Mary had major disruptions and grief in her life, and she lived most of her life in a great deal of personal tension. And you and I these days, if someone said, what's life like? A lot of us would say because of the pandemic, COVID-19 changing our lives, because of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests, because of uh, the way our personal schedules have been so changed, we would say we're living in some tension. So let's see what we can learn together uh, from Mary. First of all, she was ordinary. She's the perfect picture of what this series is saying all summer. When God chooses to use an ordinary person, what they get to do, and this is you and me sometimes, they get to have an extraordinary response. Uh, The point of the series is uh, you and I can be one of those people. Mary, the mother of Jesus, could be the poster child for this whole series this summer. In fact, Uh, everything about Mary from the Bible is that she was an ordinary Jewish girl who grew up to be a young woman. Now, in our day, we would call her a teenager, but teenagers hadn't been invented yet. In Mary's day, uh, you were either an adult uh, or a child. And Mary definitely was a 14-, 15-, 16-year-old young woman adult in their culture. And uh, she was uh, uh, an ordinary poor girl in an insignificant town, from a humble family, with little expectations that her life was going to be different than any other girl on her street. I want to stay on the ordinary part just for a minute, because some church traditions have made Mary more than ordinary. Uh, They've said, well, if you're going to be the mother of God, you can't just be an ordinary person. That's just the opposite of what we're trying to teach this summer and what God was demonstrating when he reached down and called Mary just an ordinary young woman. We tend to think, well, if you're going to do something really important like be the mother of God, you have to be super special. No, no. Um, so, let's see what the Bible says about Mary, starting with a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14. This is the first time she's mentioned in the Bible, I believe. Uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, this is the prophet Isaiah, The virgin. That's all it says. It doesn't tell us who she is or what her genealogy is or anything. Nothing special. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, when we get to the New Testament, the first time Mary is mentioned is in the family tree of Jesus. And so um, uh, uh, Matthew 1 starts this way. The Gospel of Matthew begins, the record of the genealogy, family tree of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Goes through 42 generations. And then there's this verse right here. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, nothing else about her, just her first name. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. Ordinary. Ordinary. Now, this is not to say that we should not give Mary very deep respect and honor as the mother of Jesus. We should give her the same kind of respect that we're going to give Moses that Alice talked about last week or the women who supported Jesus out of their own means that Kurt talked about the week before or Lydia. We should honor her for her faithfulness, but not because she was anything special from birth. She had plans for her life, though, didn't she? She had her dreams, her vision, as a 14, 15, 16-year-old young woman. And then one day, a disruption comes into her life, an unexpected opportunity, a surprise, out of the blue. And this disruption that comes to her life is the two rails we always talk about at Orchard. There's this joy of being the mother of God's son, and there's this heartbreak of being the mother of God's son. Uh, Let's take a look at the story. These are the Christmas verses. Somebody said it's Christmas like in August. Uh, Here's the Christmas story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. It says more about Joseph than it does about Mary. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary says, Since I am a virgin the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then he gives a little evidence. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now this next response is incredible. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. I bet she could hardly breathe. I bet, try to be in the emotion of that moment. You've got your plans. You've got your visions. You, you know what life's going to be like with Joseph. And now this angel standing before you saying, Mary, you're going to be a, give a virgin birth to the Son of God. I bet she's like hardly able to breathe. And what are the first words coming out of her? What does she know for sure? That's what she goes back to. I am the Lord's servant. Here's what I think she's saying. I was the Lord's servant a week ago. I was the Lord's servant yesterday. And in this moment of disruption, I need to remind myself I'm still the Lord's servant. And as the Lord's servant, the next thing that comes out of her mouth is, may your word to me be fulfilled. May it be as you say. May I get on board with your vision, God, instead of you being on board with my vision. This is a huge, huge, huge response huge. Um, uh, So I'm pulling four things out of the life of Mary this morning. The first one is this. Disruptions, surprises, and detours are part of every human life. Things do not always go as planned. They sure didn't for Mary. Every one of us has had disruptions, detours, tragedies, unforeseen celebrations, whether it's a cancer diagnosis, unexpected death of a loved one, unexpected pregnancy, getting fired when you thought you were going to be promoted. Um, Disruptions, surprises, detours are a part of every human life. The clearer we see this, the more ready we'll be to respond the way Mary responded. I know what I know for sure. God is real. God is good. God loves me, the more solid we are not to let disruptions throw us because we know they're coming. And every seat in this church, every member of this church has had them. If we don't see this truth and we believe that those who follow Jesus are guaranteed some kind of enhanced, protected life, then when these moments of disruption come, like they did for Mary, Then we can get mad at God, or we can get frustrated with life, or we can think things aren't going, or what did I do wrong? No. Every human life has disruptions, surprises, detours. It's everywhere in the Bible. I mean, Peter's out building a fishing business, and Jesus interrupts his life and says, You're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. And the Apostle Paul's on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, put him in prison. Jesus knocks him to the ground. says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he says, now you're going to be a spreader of my good news. It's everywhere. Um, And it's in every seat in this church. Just look at our public prayer line. Dave and Jess Hansen thought they knew what they were going to do in late July and in August. And then Jackson, their 16-year-old son, has an accident. And he gets paralyzed in a swimming accident. And all of a sudden, in an instant, everything changes. Their July and August isn't what they thought it would be. Or another prayer line issue. Jill, uh, Jill, uh, Jill and Chad Smith think they know the next month is about their uh, senior in high school having a graduation party and taking her to college, and then instantly, at a normal physical their son tyler has a blood problem and it changes their life for these weeks it's a disruption it's a tragedy it's a what about the 2020 college graduates from you and i right up the street many of them in our church they think they're going to go home for spring break and they have a plan and what's the plan they're going to come back they're going to finish their classes on uh, on campus they're going to say goodbye to their friends they're going to find a job spring break COVID-19 hits. They never come back for on-campus classes. Most of them don't get a chance to say goodbye to their friends. And what was a strong job market in weeks spirals to where uh, we have record unemployment. Disruption. Now, the thing is, none of these disruptions surprise God. He's not surprised. He knows what's coming. And so we have to fall back like Mary did. We have to say, what do we know for sure? We know he's real. We know heaven's up ahead. We know a lot for sure. And like Mary, I am his servant yesterday, today, tomorrow. Second thing I see in hers is that our responses to the disruptions have to be impacted by our faith. Mary goes back to what she knows for sure. I'm the Lord's servant. What a great response she has! Um, probably days later, Mary visits this relative, Elizabeth, that the angel told her was now pregnant, and there's this thing in Luke two that is the um, it's called Mary's song. Mary's song. And it's like she walks into Elizabeth and she recites some stuff. She says it. And I think she's talking to herself and she's telling Elizabeth what her core beliefs are. And let's take a look at those. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So what's she doing here? She's saying, what do I know for sure during this great disruption, this huge disruption in my life, when all my plans are gone, and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know how Joseph is going to take this. I don't know how my parents are going to hear this. I don't know how my community is going to respond to, uh, I'm claiming to be a virgin, but pregnant. Right? She says, well, here's what I know for sure. My soul's going to glorify the Lord. And my spirit is going to rejoice in God, my savior, for I'm on his mind. He sees the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Some of you have had the chance to do this during a tragedy. Some of you have lied in a hospital bed. Some of you in this room, Uh, following heart attack and you've counted your blessings some of you have had cancer diagnoses and once you get your breath you've started counting your blessings and that's what mary's is doing right here his mercy extends to those who fear him he's done great things for me from generation to generation he's performed mighty deeds with his arm He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He blesses the humble. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Your words would be different. You wouldn't say those words. You didn't grow up as a Jewish girl. But the principle Mary's showing here is that she's being thankful and counting her blessings and the blessings of her family at this point of tragedy. She built her house on the rock before the storm came, and she was ready. And what made her extraordinary and able to respond to God at this incredible calling? Because she had built her house on the rock of God's word before. Uh, There's a book called Falling Forward that uh, I have uh, I've read several times and uh, a lot of our staff have read it and a lot of our small groups have gone through it and it's about getting spiritually mature and I wanted to uh, show you the last two paragraphs because it describes Mary and so uh, uh, in the second half of the spiritual life Now, remember, Mary's only 14 or 15, but maturity in Christ is not always chronological. We have some young people in our congregation who have a great deal of faith, and we have some older people in our congregation who don't have a lot of faith. In the second half of the spiritual life, you're not making choices as much as you're being guided, taught, and led, which leads to choiceless choices. Theologians like to say, Could Mary have said no? Could Mary have, could have could Mary said no, I don't want to be Jesus' mother? Well, I think this was a choiceless choice. Because of who she was, she wasn't going to say no. I am a servant of the Lord. These are the choiceless choices. These are the things you cannot do because of what you have. You cannot not do because of what you've become. You're a servant. Things you do not need to do because they're just not yours to do. And things you absolutely must do because they are your destiny and your deepest desire. Mary's driving motives. And ours can be no longer money, success, or the approval of others because you found the sacred dance, the calling. Now your only specialness is being absolutely ordinary. You're just going to do what you were made to do. You're going to live according to your... Uh, calling, and uh, this is going to go beyond the strong opinions, needs, preferences, and demands of the first half of life. You're setting your vision aside and you're taking up God's vision. Now, here's what's interesting in our congregation we have young Marys in our congregation and our family. We do. I hear these stories about our little, remember Jesus said if you're gonna come to um, faith in God, you need to be like a child? We have children, younger teenagers in our church who are showing great faith, just like Mary. Young man goes to the emergency ward with his family, emergency room, on Christmas Eve morning. And Christmas Eve, he's watching our service in in his room and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And you know what he's doing? I think he's 13 or 14 at the time. He's joking with and encouraging the nurses. And he's taking his eyes off his problems. That's amazing. Bible school. We raise these money for these different projects. One year we're raising money for Haiti. And a little girl goes home. She takes all the money she saved in her piggy bank. She puts it in a plastic bag. She brings it and dumps it in a bucket in the back at Vacation Bible School. You know what I think happened in that moment? This is big. I think Jesus up in heaven said, "Guys, come here, come here, come here come here, look, look at this little girl." She's just like the widow I talked about 2,000 years ago. She gave everything she had. We have Marys in our congregation. You might have a Mary, or I was trying to think of what the male name for a Mary would be, Martin, in your family. And we need to call that out, and we need to, uh, our responses are impacted by our faith. Third one many disruptions call for a lifetime of strength, courage, and trusting God. Some of you are living in this. You had a disruption five years ago, and you're still living in the pain. You had a disruption 15 years ago, and you're still living in the pain. And Mary is the example of this. When Jesus was eight days old, he was taken to the temple, and Simeon and Anna were there, they were prophets. And do you remember? Uh, uh, Simeon said some things about who Jesus was, and then he turned to Mary and he said this phrase: He said, "A sword will pierce your soul." He was saying, "There's going to be two lives in being the mother of Mary, of Jesus, being the mother of Jesus. You're going to have great pain, and you're going to have great joy. A pierce uh, A sword will pierce your soul." She watched this first miracle, this mother. She traveled with him a bit and watched him do some other things. She lost him when he was 12 years old, but he was instructing the instructors. She lived with great tension. Remember the verses in the Bible where it says, um, uh, Mary pondered these things in her heart when the kings came and gave him gifts, she pondered those things. When Simeon said to her, there's a sword, Jesus is this and there's a sword, she pondered these things. After the 12, he was 12 years old, she pondered these things. She lived with tension. That's one of the reasons I chose her to talk about, because we have a lot of tension in us right now, don't we? There's a lot going on in the world that can cause tension. Mary had that kind of tension. I'm pregnant and I didn't do anything. How do I tell Joseph? How do I explain this? What if he dumps me? How do I tell my parents? How does my community respond? Think about that tension. Then think about this tension. Everything she learned about this God she loves, she learned from the church leaders who, as her son grew up, turned on her son and started to attack her son and actually beat him and killed him. So she's standing at the foot of the cross By the way, Mary's the only human being at both the birth and the death of Jesus, the only one. She's standing at the cross. She's watching the men who were the religious leaders kill her son, who she believes is the Son of God. How much tension is that? Some of you uh, parents are working with sibling rivalries, right? Right? Well, how much tension would there be if your oldest child? We think we think uh, Joseph had at least three brothers. Mary had at least three sons and two other daughters. He was the oldest, right? And how would it be sibling rivalries if it wasn't that your oldest child thought they were the son of God? But what if they actually were? <laughs> Try parenting that. She lived in tension. And some of you are living in tension. And Mary kept going back to the foundation of what it was she believed about God. Last thing. Disruptions and pain are magnifiers in a world looking for God. Disruptions and pains put a spotlight on your life and allow you to testify about who God is in a way you never could before. If things do not go as planned, this spotlight gets on your life, and the testimony of your life is impacted in how you handle the disruption. So if you got a cancer diagnosis, this is so interesting, my son Jeremy is 46 years old. 13 months ago, he got a cancer diagnosis, and a lot of our church and our family and friends know it. Before 13 months ago, maybe once a year, someone would ask me, how's Jer doing? How's his attitude? How's he doing? Once a year, he was the invisible son of Dave. (laughs) Thirteen months ago, he got cancer. Do you know six or eight people this morning asked me how he was doing? All over town, people are wondering, why is that? Because when a disruption, a tragedy comes on you, a spotlight gets put on you. It does. And that's a time, just like with Mary, Mary. That's a time for us to respond in faith as best we can encourage because people are watching. Rick Warren, a pastor, all of a sudden becomes the author of the number one best selling book, I believe, in Americans' history Purpose Driven Life. Instantly, he becomes rich. People are watching. What does he do? He has a lot of choices, he's in the spotlight. What does he do? Well, he keeps the same house, he keeps the same old battered truck, and he gives a back to his church all the money he's been paid for the 30-plus years he's worked there. He didn't have to do it. There would have been nothing wrong with buying a bigger house or buying a new truck, nothing wrong with that. He had choices of how he was going to respond. And as, as he was on late-night TV, and they would ask this famous pastor now, who's like, everybody wants, wants him, well, What do you get paid? Because people think pastors are overpaid. And he was able to say, Actually, the truth is, nothing. I gave it all back. The spotlight was on him. Now, a few years later, his son dies by suicide. The spotlight's on him again. And weeks later, he comes to his podium in his church, and the world is watching There's a spotlight on him again. See, spotlights come at good times, so you get an inheritance, there's a spotlight. You win the lottery, there's a spotlight. Or your son commits suicide, there's a spotlight. And he was able to take off his mask gently and talk about the pain of a son who committed suicide. And then he did exactly what Mary did. He said, here's the foundation, I'm standing. When we had our accident of our family members in Florida and I'm in the hospital there with Aaron and Kaya and I'm calling back to get things set up here. I called one of the elders of this church because he was helping me with some things. At the end of the conversation, he said this to me, Dave, your response to this is going to be your legacy. I was trying to breathe. (laughs) I wasn't thinking legacy. I was trying to take the next breath. But he was right. When disruptions and and, and tragedies come, or when really good things are heaped on you, a spotlight comes, and it's your time to testify. And most times, in me, I'm a perfect example of this. All you can do is just take the next step. Just take the next breath and take the next step. And when you're able, I was encouraged that it was several days later that Mary gave her song. When you're able, you say what you believe in Christ. So I don't know where you are this morning, but I want you to know disruptions, surprises, detours are part of every life. They're coming into your life. Our responses to the disruption have to be based on our faith. They're going to take a lifetime of courage and they're going to be magnifiers of our testimony. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, you allow disruptions, surprises, pains to come into our lives, just like Mary. You call us to do things that are special for you, right where we are, right in our neighborhoods, right in our families, right in our church. You call us to do things that are special extraordinary help us to see it that way help us to know you and depend on you help us to fall back on what we know for sure about you and about ourselves help our lives bring glory to you in those moments when the spotlight gets on us help us have courage and strength all in your power Lord, all in your power, because we won't have the power. Father, help us uh, learn and abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen.